Over the last couple of decades, we've all learned so much about relationships, communication, and self-awareness. We know the five love languages, the seven habits, the five basic needs, the four primary male archetypes, the 12 steps. But now, as we're all stressed out, confused and wary, you know, we've got this opportunity to put these systems into play and, and to roll out those numbers. Unfortunately, when we're stressed or triggered, our brains are uniquely bad at remembering and deploying anything more complex than fight, flight, or freeze. But we can steal some techniques from high-performance athletes to help us hang on to what we already know, to help us live up to our potential, and maintain the strong and loving relationships we need to survive and thrive through the next 18 months. Hello, Rocketeers. Welcome to the weekly podcast for people craving richer relationships, fulfilling community, healthier masculinity, and permission to create. So during the COVID quarantine, our living situations and family dynamics are showing up totally different, right? It's, it's very new for a lot of people. We're working from home. We're out of work. Kids aren't in school. The, the What happens every day in the home is now completely altered and it's amplified as well because we got more time being spent, today, spent together. You know, college kids are back home and our behavior, just whether or not we wash hands, mm-hmm. has, has you know the potential for life-threatening consequences. I was talking to a mom whose kid wants to go to the skate park and she's trying to figure out how to make him wash her hand, his hands and, and take care because he can affect the entire family. So everybody's altered, everybody's amplified, and everybody's stressed with financial worry, with health concerns, being separated from friends, being separated from other family, and coping strategies that we normally use are not as available as they were. We don't get to go shopping, we don't get to drive around, we don't get to go to bars, we don't get to pursue a lot of our hobbies. Hobbies? Hobbies. Hobbies. I mean, you and I are lucky in that our hobbies are podcasting and going right. and going for walks so yeah. and and making art so we're we're in the sweet spot but that's not true for a lot of people yeah yeah i mean people are living either with their adult children or with their parent adults living with their parents um both of these are stressful um, being together is stressful being separate is stressful uh it's easy to get triggered and with all the fear and stuff that's underneath our, our daily sandpaper interactions, and we might say things we regret, um, if you'd like to improve how you interact with and feel around close family members, this week's episode is for you. Last week, we asked our peeps on the Rocket Feather Community Lab for questions or situations they wanted help with around staying home. And uh, today we're going to talk about uh, a letter we got from our friend Lindsay, who's an adult professional person, and she's at home with her parents right now. And she's feeling pretty aggravated. I asked her what feelings were coming up, Mm -hmm. but she said frustrated and angry and and totally... hard. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, she says she feels it's really 
fortunate that she has a place to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but these other emotions come up too. And, and, you know, she's a smart cookie. We're all smart cookies. Again, we've had access to all of these. Uh, we're standing on the shoulders of giants, right? Yeah. We're standing on the, the shoulders of everybody from, from Rumi to Stephen Covey to, mm-hmm. to Brené Brown. Again, we got the 12 steps, the seven habits, the four agreements, and now we need them more than ever. And, but now we got the stress. So how are we going to, how are we going to stress proof those good habits so that we can put them into play. So we're going to talk about how to use all that good advice. Um, We're going to talk about how to, as we said earlier, kind of use some things that I learned from performance athletics. And those of you who've seen pictures of me won't quite understand where I'm getting performance athletic advice, but just, just stick with us. Stick with us. Uh, we, we think we got something of value to share here, and we'd love to hear more from you, but more about that later. Okay, seems like we're ready to go. Yeah. The quote-unquote tape is rolling. Check. Caffeine at optimum levels. Check. The cats are secured. Indeed. And the microphones are hot. Let's do this. We are go, go for, for launch. So, Charles, I'm just curious of out of all of those numbered systems, what's your favorite? It's hard to pick. It's hard for me to pick a favorite, but I think my favorite numbered system is uh, the five basic needs from from. Uh, oh yeah, Glasser. Yeah, from Glasser and, yeah. His, and his choice theory. The idea that let's see if I can let's see if I can have it memorized. Right. That every action, every behavior that we take as an attempt to get one of these five basic needs met. Um, fun, freedom, belonging, power, Con- control, freedom, and fun. Control, freedom, fun, belonging. belonging. Yeah, I know. Safety? Safety. Safety, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, and so, you know, I hopefully my inability to have those memorized actually gives you listeners, you audience some heart. Like I don't have to, I don't have to have them all memorized to be able to employ them. And I, I employ them when I'm trying to figure out what, what I'm doing. Like Mm -hmm. Charles, why are you behaving in this way right now? Like, why are you cranky? Why are you joyful? Why are you, why are you gritting your teeth? Um, Yeah. Or you employ them when I'm flipping out and (laughs) You're totally. trying to figure out what's totally. going on. What is going on for Kelly? Kelly needs more freedom. Kelly needs more. Kelly's probably trying to get more fun. And it even doesn't it doesn't even matter if I guess wrong about me. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if I guess wrong about you. It just generates empathy and curiosity yeah. rather than judgment. Right. Yeah, you're wrong. Stop doing that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I am I am much happier now living in curiosity and empathy than I am in judgment. You know, mm. I talk a lot about like the the old way of being strong and 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 how we get dopamine hits from being from being in judgment and it and it feels powerful. And so there's even like there's even again the five the five uh, uh, motivations are right there. It's like yeah. I am in judgment because I want to feel powerful and safe. Yeah. Um, but I don't. I'm I'm not into that as much anymore. My my ego is is relatively healthy and strong now. And now there's a place from which I can jump off and be curious and empathetic rather than judgmental. Yeah, you got to practice that a couple of days ago when I had a meltdown at at work, which is now home. Right, speaking yeah, right, speaking <laughs> of speaking of being amplified instead of instead of Kelly yeah. freaking out at her computer, you know, two offices over, she's on the couch next to me, uh, yeah, getting frustrated. Yeah, well actually I had to, what was the task for me? I knew why you were upset. I mean, that yeah. wasn't, that wasn't hard to figure out. Something didn't go the way you wanted it to. 
Um, it was five o'clock on a Friday. I'm sure you wanted to be done. Yeah, I had clocked out at two o'clock. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, so it doesn't take a lot of like, I, I wonder why Kelly is freaking like, that's really clear. What was what I was having to do was investigate what was going on for me, like why why my body was tensing up around your frustration. Your frustration had nothing to do with me. Mm-hmm. Zero. I had not caused it. I had not abetted it. I had nothing to do with the task you were working on. There was no threat to me about whether or not the task was done well or not. It, like there was no repercussions for me. So I'm just like, okay, Charles, what, uh, what are you needing more of? Well, I just, I, uh, well, for, I mean, you did, you had gone away. Like you, like you left mm-hmm. mentally, spiritually, yeah, emotionally, I was, whatever. I was down my rabbit hole. Yeah. So my, and left you to <laughs> yeah. So my need for belonging was, you know, was not there. And my need for kind of control and efficacy were gone as well because there was nothing I could do for you. Mm-mm. And I'm, and as I, as I told you, I'm like, I'm sitting there thinking, okay, I could offer to help. And that's about me. I could ask her what she needs, if she needs help trying to figure out what's going on with her computer. But that's about me. That's not, that's, that's distracting you from what you're dealing with and asking you to focus on my need to be participatory, to contribute, to be involved, to be engaged, all this stuff. It's just like, I finally just sat there and played a game of solitaire. Anyway, that's a long story about, yes, Yeah, I, but I like, I like the five needs. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it gave, I, that meltdown that I had gave you an opportunity <laughs> to put that stuff into into play and so yeah. we're we're talking today about how this wacko worldwide pandemic is giving us all an opportunity to take these tools that we've had access to for so long. I mean, we've all, you know, everybody listening has probably done some kind of, you know, read a self-help book or done a course or, you know, some of us lots, um, gone to therapy, whatever. And so we, and those books have been out like the four agreements has got to be a couple of decades old. Uh, Stephen Covey's seven habits has got to be in the eighties, I think. Right. So, right, the twelve steps have been around for a hundred yeah. years, almost. Almost, I think it yeah. came out in like the thirties or forties. Okay, yeah, but yeah, I mean, we've got lots of systems for self improvement and um, how to interact better with people in the world. And boy, we've got the opportunity now to really dig deep and make those things happen. Um, yeah. So yay, an opportunity. Yay. <laughs> um, the, Thank you, COVID nineteen. Right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. There's. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> um, so we're we're focusing today on specifically what happens if you are having to live with your parents when you're an adult, and I have some experience about that with that that we will talk about later. Yeah. Um, but also just dealing with with being an adult person who has parents um yeah that's kind of the focus of this relationship but a lot of what we're going to talk about can be applied to any close family relationship and then you know rolled out from there to pretty much anybody (laughs) yeah you know i think we we were a little bit well you know we asked for some asked for some people to to give us some questions 
you know, through Facebook. And I think we were initially sort of like, oh, we only got one. Although Lindsay chimed in really quickly. Mm-hmm. But there's it's just a rich jumping off point. Oh like I'm living with somebody. It doesn't matter if it's your parents. doesn't matter yeah. if it's your kid, your boyfriend, your dog. Things are coming up. I'm feeling triggered. What mm-hmm. do I do? Um, but, yeah, we're going to focus on some of our experiences. Our hard-won experience. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yeah, so Charles, um, I we've talked on here before yeah. about um, your relationship with your mom, who is a firecracker. I will say, um, she's yeah. yeah, she's she's an amazing person and a yeah. tough cookie and an, a worthy adversary. <laughs> <laughs> Is but, that, was that is that from Simon Sinek, a worthy adversary, oh, a worthy rival? That's what yeah, he calls it. He yeah. says you have to have a worthy rival. Right. Yeah, yeah, no, she's she's an amazing person, and and she's forced to be reckoned with. So, yeah. um, you you've come on a journey. Yeah. As an adult, you've gone through a lot of different kind of ways of being with her. Yeah. You want to talk a little bit about about that that journey? Yeah, from yeah. From what and to to what now? Sure. I don't know. Yeah, she's such a presence on this podcast. Yeah. Um, and both fr- of our yeah. Yeah, and frankly, you know, I I was thinking about it this morning, thinking about recording this podcast, and feeling this kind of embarrassment about how much I talk about my mom on this podcast and how much mm-hmm. I talk about my mom in general and the phrase, the dreaded phrase, the dreaded man box phrase of being a mama's boy, mm-hmm. you know, popped up and, but you're like, yeah, what, what are we going to do? I mean, I was raised by her from the age of 10 and I was 10. Yeah. She was 30 something. Um, so yeah, yeah. She's been a big force in my life, my whole life. And to deny that, uh, for the sake of trying to maintain some sort of tough guy masculinity just just does it just doesn't hold no water well, I, I wouldn't categorize you as a mama's boy even though it's it's obvious like that's an important relationship yeah. i i wouldn't i don't think of you as a mama's boy you don't anyway well stay out of that but <laughs> <laughs> podcast number 35 is charles a mama's boy we should we i'd love to get faith and my mom on yeah the, on the podcast so people could get to know her it's, a little bit yeah it would yeah. be oh gosh it would be a blast yeah we'll have to record her surreptitiously she doesn't she doesn't get it she doesn't have any interest no. but anyway uh long story short um yeah i have a i have a uh complex um I don't know complex, but long and and uh, sometimes challenging relationship with my mom that has been through all kinds of different phases, like you said. And I have a lot because of that. I have just a ton of empathy for anybody in any relationship with with a powerful, important parent. Um, and in particular, the relationship between um, men and boys and their moms. And, and I've said before on this podcast, you know, one of the terrible things about the patriarchy, one of the terrible things about the man box is that for a boy to individuate into traditional manhood, the the shortcut is to throw mother under the bus, to throw the matriarchy, mm-hmm. to throw femininity under the bus in order to become masculine, to become not that. Right. Um, so I did some of that uh, as a teen, for sure. Um, 
I didn't know how for most of my life to respond to her bids for, for closeness and, and efficacy in our relationship. And then more recently, you know, we talked about this in the, I think it was episode 17, going home for the holidays episode, just like when I moved back to Arizona and would drive to her house to visit and, and like knowing that I would love the visit, knowing that I would enjoy working out in the garden with her, that I would learn mm-hmm. things from her, that I would hear stories about her life and my father's life and all this stuff. And I would be just clutching the steering wheel, even beating on the steering wheel and just frustration and just rage at having to drive over there. And like early on in my ability to, to investigate my own, what the hell Matthews, (laughs) um, just coming to realize that I was carrying with me as a 35, 40, 45 year old was carrying with me all of the history, all of the pieces of my relationship with my mother. I was carrying my five-year-old relationship with her. Mm-hmm. I was carrying my 10-year-old relationship with her. Um, you know, the five-year-old who wanted um, uh, comfort and fun in in contradictory doses. The 10-year-old who wanted um, safety and and nurturing as my father was ill and dying. Mm-hmm. The, the 14-year-old who wanted freaking justice and and trust and completely unearned trust but right. just wanted just do you just have to trust me because i can't even explain what it is that i want mm-hmm. um the the 18 year old who wanted independence and um all of that and then of course there's all of the all of her components in that the the mother of the 10 year old who needed to freaking get the work done to keep the house mm-hmm. afloat yeah um, single mom with two kids and she was yeah yeah. It happen. Yeah, the parent of the of the twenty five year old who had nobody at home at that point, and mm-hmm. so you know all of that is all tangled up in there. And so I'm driving to her house not as a forty five year old independent adult. I'm driving as this whirlwind of all of these different stages, all of these different needs that were never met. Um, to any to anybody's satisfaction, right. you know, nobody's there's needs. There's no amount that is yeah. enough. Yeah, there's just an empty, you know, an, a, a bucket with a hole in it for all yeah. of that. But, um, and also my my barely hanging on to my adulthood by my fingernails self feeling. I actually, f- when I dug down, I'm like, I feel threatened. Like I'm going to get pulled back to being Mm. the powerless 14 year old, the depressed 10 year old, the, the needy five year old, like that's what's waiting for me. That's what some Mm. part of me believed that that's what was waiting for me there. And so that's where the rage was coming from. It's just like, I have to protect my adult self from this it's not even it's not even this person it's not my mother it's just it's the dynamic from or, the history yeah. from the dynamic absolutely oh, absolutely gosh. so my you know i guess solution to this was a being able to to spend that time thank god i had an hour long drive and you know mm-hmm. if i if i'd only had a half an hour drive yeah, you i wouldn't have made it huh? <laughs> i wouldn't just, have i wouldn't have figured all this out you would have wound up at the casino every time oh god right uh, but so because i had that hour i was able to get to the place where i could under you know investigate and be curious about what the hell uh, where these emotions were come from and come up with some answers about like, oh my God, I'm trying to protect myself. I feel threatened. Mm-hmm. What else would cause that kind of rage? Like right. feeling threatened, feeling somehow put down. Um, and then just realizing like, well, that's just not true. I mean, there, there's probably some truth to it in that there's 
that it's probably not possible for my mother to see me the way I am mm-hmm. now. To, I think she's getting better and better at it. But mm-hmm. she, of course, she still sees me as a five-year-old, as a 10-year-old, as a 14-year-old. She remembers mm-hmm. all of the parts of me. Um, I don't think she is. I know that she has no interest in me being those pieces. <laughs> right. She's not trying to keep you no. in that box no. of being a baby or whatever. No, but... I'm dragging that into the house. Yeah. Um, but it's almost like a haunting, right? It's almost mm-hmm. like walking into a haunted house and, and things are going to try and control me or whatever. But mm-hmm. anyway, um, so being able to investigate that, being able to be curious about it and being able to say, wow, that's that's not really true. Yeah. You're not really under threat. That's the that's the huge piece right there. It's like how can you, yeah. you know, do you need to journal or do you mm-hmm. just need to pon- you know, go for a walk and ponder or go for a drive and ponder? Yeah. Can you step back enough to hear what you're thinking, yep. see what you're writing and and know cuz we all spout a bunch of nonsense all the time, <laughs> but if we don't pay attention to it, if we don't notice yeah. And really look at it. We don't notice that it's nonsense. So we act on it as if it is true. Right. Right. And then my, you know, the behavior, the unconscious or semi-conscious behavior that I would bring into the house would create situations that would reinforce my belief that oh, I was absolutely. under threat. Absolutely. And, you know, now whatever, whatever, um, uh, passive aggressive is too strong a word, but whatever sort of mothering or judgmental or whatever behavior my mom mm-hmm. shows up with, that is now mostly water off a duck's back. Mm-hmm. And now what I'm hearing more often is probably the amount of it probably hasn't changed at all. But nah, what I'm, I think it's I think it has changed. But anyway, go ahead. Is, is I'm hearing her validate me and and mm-hmm. praise me and be grateful for my presence mm-hmm. more and more. Yeah, because you're not fighting her anymore. I'm not fighting her anymore. And you're more loving to her mm. so she can relax a little bit. Yes. You know, she doesn't oh, have to yeah. like gear up for this son who's like combative and whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. Guarded. And, yeah. I mean, I think she's just changing a little bit as she's getting older, but I your energy changes and so she doesn't have to meet you at yeah. that kind of aggro energy. So it's wow. like all of these things. I hadn't even thought about how that changes things for her because mm-hmm. I'm so yeah. selfish and I self-oriented. Know, right? All I'm thinking about is how it changes stuff right. for me. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Well, that's good. I'm, so you're you're seeing that or you're yeah. just guessing about Oh, okay. That's yeah, great. Yeah, no, I'm seeing it. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So I'm... I'm... I've been on a couple of those drives to her house. <laughs> And we 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 yeah. leave on time now. We used we to never time. get out the house on yeah, time. I was resistant. Yeah, it was yeah. it was awful. Yeah, yeah. So I got you know I got a ton of empathy for Lindsay and and anybody else who's Heck yeah. Oh my God, spending all of their time. Um, I can talk a good game for you know an afternoon, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> or an overnight or a holiday visit, but to to uh, to bring my best game every day would be really challenging. Yeah, living under the same roof with yeah. either of our mothers would be a challenge. Which you did. I mean, you yeah. you lived with your mom for a decade. Well, yeah, I mean, I as an adult. As yeah. an adult, I partly because I was trying to be an artist and my mom was nice enough to let me live at home for free. Yeah. And partly because uh, when I was in my 30s, I had some health problems and kind of had to move home. Yeah. So I was out and back and out and back 
a bunch of times and but yeah i i was living with my mom when we met and um so yeah as a 40 something person and i one of the things and tell me if you if this resonates for you also because we're both kind of late bloomers and so i felt um i was judging myself as a failure and judging Hmm. myself as not do you know not doing it right um, that I, if I was still living at home and I wasn't making a decent living and all of this stuff and my, all of my plans had, you know, not worked out, I felt crappy about myself. So that gave me sort of fuel for resentment and, and oversensitivity. Um, so you were already, yeah, you were already had that shame oh, yeah. and embarrassment right underneath the surface. Yeah. To yeah. say to say nothing of, of living with your mom, which can I mean, most of us mm-hmm. feel like that's a failure if we're back living with their parents. Yeah. Oh, that, yeah. Yeah. That Ezra Klein show, Ezra Klein podcast yesterday was talking about, you know, anytime either either mm-hmm. a, either an adult mm-hmm. having to move back with with their kids to to spend the rest of their lives, or for the kids to move in, the adult kids yeah, to move in with the parents. In our, our modern understanding of how we're supposed to be doing this. Yeah. Yeah, that was the Eric Kleinemann episode, yeah. and he studies uh, kind of, I don't know, I can't. He's a sociologist. Yeah, and so he studied how multi-generational, um, better connected yeah. uh, communities survive natural disasters better right. than people who, and it's not even necessarily people living alone, it's just people living alone without those, that connection. Yeah. So anyway, but anyway, so you're um, you were yeah. like t- digging into the emotional well, reality, and I'm like, let's talk about something intellectual. Sorry, yeah, no, that's fine. Um, I definitely relate to the the we call we've talked about the our kid selves on the podcast before, and I call mine the littles, you know, and I just conceptualize like every age of myself and I've done a lot of work around that you know when when I'm feeling stressed and I notice it and I can sit with it I always ask who is this and usually somebody I line everybody up I'm like who's having the problem here let's let's talk you know and sometimes they just need a hug you know sometimes they you know it's the the seven-year-old or the 12-year-old or whatever yeah but Definitely, you know, living at home under okay circumstances, there was enough of stress around that um, of just like, can you treat me like an adult? But because, you know, just like we were saying with you, it's like because I was sensitive about certain things, um, I was, you know, coming across kind of aggro and irritable. Your adult self was not always fully present. No, I mean, yeah, my – exactly. Exactly. Um, and that's that's kind of the thing that, you know, working on this podcast, you know, we've been thinking about it and talking about it. And that's kind of one of the things that I realized. And we'll talk about it more in, in a little bit of just we are not when we are engaged with our parents in a way that is unpleasant. The chance is really high that we are not being our fully mature adult selves. We might already be 
pretty decent adults in certain circumstances. Yeah. You know, at work, we're rocking it. You know, we're when we're hanging out with our friends at the cafe, we're killing it. You know, yeah. whatever it yeah. is, there are places in our lives where we are. We're showing are up stable, righteous thoughtful. Adults. Yeah. Yeah. Registered adults. I love it. Yeah. No, I said yeah. righteous adults, oh, but right, registered, adults registered adults is good, too. I have a card to prove it. Exactly. Yeah. I am really an adult. Yeah. Um. So we might feel like adults in certain places in our lives. So, but so when in we... control, mm-hmm. uh, uh, emotionally pr- emotionally regulated, empathetic. Mature, flexible, all of those things. Yeah. yeah. So, but when we get around our parents, we are, I, I would put money on it that we are kind of taken back to some age when we yeah. were young. And we are living out of that place, uh, at least partially. Yeah. And that's what makes it so hard. Like you were saying, you felt like you were being dragged back into childhood. Yeah. There, there are probably a lot of different dynamics, a lot of different reasons that people feel uncomfortable or feel threatened by that thing happening. But that framework, the idea of yeah. our child selves are alive in us all the time. Yeah. And when we get triggered, especially when we get triggered by our parents, those child selves are are being awakened and activated. So that's a a huge thing kind of going forward in the rest of this podcast. Keep that picture in mind. And try not to be triggered by it. <laughs> right, right. So, so yeah, let's let's now get to Lindsay, our friend Lindsay, our adult professional friend out in the world who finds herself at home during this situation. And Lindsay wrote, I was on medical leave for several months. And when I got out, I ended up having to live with my parents in the interim. Uh, Challenging, yes. But since I was sub teaching every day, it wasn't too bad. I could keep busy. Mm. Yeah. And her COVID-19. So now I'm out of work and have way more time at home. I've been doing some online uh, personal development stuff. Uh, I get out and run and hike and walk at least twice a day. Lots of reading, but now I'm losing my mind living with my parents. Yeah. It's been really difficult. How can I maintain my sanity? And all the issues between me and my parents are definitely coming to the surface. Any advice? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How can I maintain my sanity? All the issues between me and my parents are definitely coming to the surface. And frustration and anger are what she said. The emotions are coming mm-hmm. up. Totally get it. I get it. We got a ton mm-hmm. of empathy for that for that question and oh, for yes. those emotions. Um, yeah. First of all, that's not crazy. That that's, is not crazy. That is at all. not crazy. That is I not think crazy. Anybody is probably feeling some of that right now, just because the world is beyond what we've ever had to deal with. Yeah. It's scary. It, there's uncertainty. Yeah. And that is, no matter how calm we are trying to be, there's some of that underneath yep. everything. Yep. An effing pandemic. Yeah. So in part two, we're going to, in part two, we're going to attempt to quote unquote answer Lindsay's question, you know, how do I maintain my sanity? Mm-hmm. You know, any advice. And what we're going to present is some ideas about how to bolster and stress proof the things that we already know how to do. Like we said at the top, all of those numbered mm-hmm. behavior strategies, all those all those numbered bits of wisdoms. 
um, how to how to get those ingrained and stress proof them a little bit so that they can meet the challenge, meet this new challenge of living at home in a pandemic, uh, having kids at home all day while you're living in a pandemic. If you're the parent, mm-hmm. um, being out of work, whatever it is, all of you know, we know that um, domestic abuse and and child abuse, unfortunately, is on the rise in the pandemic. We know that there's stresses on the relationships. There's already jokes about like how many divorces there are mm. going to be coming out of this. It doesn't have to be that way. It Mm-mm. makes sense that it's that way, but with some conscious effort, it can be different. So we're going to come back in part two and talk about, like we said, how to how to stress proof it, how to get it working so it rises to the agenda. And my phone is going off. This is poor podcast preparation. We were so we're so on top of it. We got the whole new <laughs> podcast studio set up going. We're trying to do this in one run through and I left my dang phone it notification. It just makes off. it feel more real. Feels real. Probably they probably couldn't even hear that. That, that yeah, notification went off in my pocket way far away from this microphone. So anyway, we'll be right back with part 2 of the Rocket Feather podcast. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to the Rocket Feather Podcast. We are here talking about being home with family. Being home with family in the pandemic. What a wonderful combination of situations. Mm. Kids mm. kids home all day, adult kids in the home, college kids at home, back from college with nowhere to go, yeah, people out of work, people working from home. Yeah, parents have to come live with us. Or yeah. or we're all separated from our families, too, and that's right. scary and weird. And yeah. it's not being able to be there to take care of parents is, is hard, too. And then that's not yeah. the focus of what we're talking about today, but we do have to acknowledge, you know, the flip side of it. Yeah. people stuck in their own little boxes and not able to be together. That's yeah. really hard, too. Yeah, and in part one, you and I talked about our personal responses to being with parents, not even necessarily living with them. And we also, you also shared the story, or I guess we shared the, short, the story of what it's like to kind of be stuck in the same house together, working together, and mm-hmm. you having a work. You called it a meltdown. It looked like a... It looked like a Looked like a rise to the occasion to me, but mm, there um, was some swearing. There was some swearing that happens. That happens. So you know we've got some personal experience of this for sure. And but in part two, what I'm going to bring in, I know this is I, I know people can't I can't believe this. Uh, I read a book. We're bring, what we're bringing in is some performance athletic concepts that I think can actually apply to the non physical world to the emotional. And relational world. Um, back in the 80s, this guy, Udo Newman, and this climber, Dale Goddard, wrote a book called Performance Rock Climbing, and it's still available. Um, we looked it up on on uh, Amazon. It's still out there. It's got this crazy multicolored 80s cover that looks like something Cindy Lauper would have wore in her hair. Wow. Is it sort of like the rock climbing Bible, or, or well, is it, it an obscure title? It. It was it was a kind of a niche book for sure because it, performance wasn't something that we were doing as rock climbers until right about that time. It was when rock climbing became a competitive sport, mm-hmm. and uh, rock climbing just to bring it to the modern day rock climbing competitions were going to be in the Olympics for the first time 
this summer, but I guess it's going to be now next summer. Wow, I didn't know that. Rock climbing in the Olympics? That's yeah. Bonkers. Yeah. So rock climbing had gone from this, like, oovy groovy, you know, um, measure yourself against the mountains kind of thing, and, and training involved, you know, drinking and smoking a fair bit. Uh <laughs> And then these ideas started coming over from Europe because the Europeans were beating beating their pants off in competition climbing. And so Udo and Dale wrote this book. And Udo Newman is still active. He's been the coach for, I think, the German rock climbing team forever and ever. And they brought these ideas from gymnastics and track and field and all these elite athletic sports to rock climbing because rock climbing is very complex as a as an activity the Mm -hmm. your body has to your the core of your body has to maintain tension while you're making these moves between these little footholds Mm -hmm. there's planning involved there's breathing involved there's regulating your your kind of your emotions and and being really aggro at sometimes for a power move and being really Mm -hmm. calm at other times for delicate moves so especially at the at the upper end, rock climbing is very complex and it involves and it's memorizing. It's a mental game. Very much a mental game and mental from a variety of ways, right? It's in it's like dance or gymnastics in that you need to memorize a routine for something like competition climbing. Mm-hmm. It's um, mental in a whole different way when risk is involved, when you could take a big fall or mm-hmm. you could be uh, hurt um, in the rock climbing in the, in the way that you can definitely get hurt in gymnastics, um, not necessarily so much in ballroom dance. but Well, in any athletic endeavor, you can, you can damage your, your bodily equipment and yep. be done. Right. And then, it's, and then it's got this kind of aggro element, the, the way that powerlifting does, mm-hmm. where you need to draw from uh, mm-hmm. reservoirs of strength and, and hulkness. Yeah, to blast so, off up the rock. Exactly. Exactly. To pull down really hard on a very oh. small hold. So there's a lot going on. And what, what performance rock climbing did for rock climbers was to break it down and, and to figure out, help people figure out how to get ready to do this really complex sport. And it introduced this idea that stuck with me for years, which is the concept of engrams, which comes from psychology. It comes from neurobiology. An engram is kind of a hypothetical unit of memory. Mm. And I was reading about this earlier today, uh, neurobiologists and, and anatomists and uh, physiologists have been trying to figure out what what is the physical component of an engram mm-hmm. and the physical component of a memory, the physical component of a, of a pattern of behavior. Yeah, what's and they, the unit and yeah. the mechanism and yeah. all these kind of tricky, mysterious things. Yeah, and so far it's still really mysterious. You know, there's this, we, we know now that, that complex memories are not are not kept in one part of the brain. They're spread out through the mm. brain. And this is particularly true of something like a rock climbing move as you you know as you said it's like it's there's this emotional component there's worry about fear there's how to move how to breathe all this stuff so there's not a code for a rock climbing movement that's in one particular place in the brain so it's so this is perfect it's just really hypothetical so for purposes of this 
kind of discussion today, it doesn't matter whether or not engrams really exist in any right. kind of discrete way. It's a framework. It's a framework for like, how do we remember something? How do we hold on to something complex when the going gets tough? And that's what we're talking about. We're talking about holding on to those complex ways of being emotionally regulated, emotionally thoughtful, how to hang on to your relationship with your little mm-hmm. while you're being an adult in the presence of your parents during a pandemic. Right. That's so, pretty complex. So that's pretty complex. So how do we how do we develop engrams? Well, in, in rock and, climbing, and just to say yeah. that's different from enneagrams, which is uh, it's kind of like a personality quiz kind of yeah, yeah. thing. Yeah, that um, is a whole other ball game. Yeah, this is yeah. just E N G R A M and engram. And Excellent. I'm working really hard to purge the word enneagram from my head so that yeah, I don't say it, it at any other point during the podcast. Um, so the way to develop an engram in rock climbing, according to performance rock climbing, is to practice small, doable sections of movement over and over again. And to be very thoughtful about those movements and to be really mindful of those movements, to be to bring full awareness to those movements. So maybe it's pulling down on a hold that's rounded that's off to your right. Mm-hmm. And just like, okay, that's a rounded hold off to my right at shoulder height. You don't really necessarily have to say that out loud, but and all this seems a little crazy, right? But think about how little you think about walking compared to how much a toddler thinks about walking. Mm-hmm. You can see that they are bringing their entire intellectual capabilities to bear to get from the edge of the sofa to daddy's arms mm-hmm. three feet away. Like their entire brain is involved in that. Mm-hmm. And now I can't think about walking. It is impossible for me to think about the act of walking. I just walk. So that's what we're trying to do with engrams and rock climbing is to go from bringing all of our attention to bear on particular moves or particular actions until they get to the point where they, where you can't even think about them. They're automated. They are automated. They have become engrams and are stored. Um, And it turns out that, that visualizing is as useful a form of practice as actually practicing. Mm. So you'll see, uh, you know, gymnasts before they're about to do a vault, you know that they're visualizing Mm -hmm. in that moment. They're visualizing nailing the landing. They're visualizing that, well, they're not visualizing the landing first. They're visualizing in order. They're visualizing Mm -hmm. the run down the runway. They're they're visualizing, they're imagining what it feels like when their feet hit the springboard just right. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's like it's not even just visual it's like full body visualizing. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. What it's going to feel like all the way through the body. When it's when you hit that sweet spot, when you hit that golf yeah. ball just right, when you right. hit that baseball just What's right. What's it going to sound like? What's it going to feel like yeah. in your hands? What's it going to, what are you going to see exactly? Mm-hmm. So, and I just realized too that, I, you know, my background is music when I was in school. Yeah. And musical practice is the same way. You break exactly. it down. You take it one measure at a time. Yep. You slow it way down. You get it exactly right. And then you slowly speed it up and speed it up and speed it up until you're exactly. at the right the right um tempo. Cadence, tempo. Yeah. 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 And we'll talk about that. That's that's called that speeding up is called stress proofing. Mm-hmm. So you so according to performance rock climbing, you practice something over and over and over again. Visualization can be a form of practice. And they put out some tips about when and how to do this, to make sure that when you're learning new things, learning new techniques, you do it when you are calm and rested. Mm-hmm. That you take that building of new engrams, that's a really challenging thing for your brain to do. So you need to do it when 
your brain is on stress because your brain doesn't work well when it's stressed. Right. So you don't try and learn a new technique at the end of a rock climbing session. Oy. Try and learn a new technique at the beginning and then just work on strength or, or endurance at the, in the later session. Mm, okay. And you also don't want to practice while stressed because practicing while stressed builds stress into the engram. Right. It's like the Pavlovian and Skinner stuff. It's like you associate, when you associate the bell with yes. the food, then that those things are paired forever. Exactly. So when you exactly. associate stress with the move. Yes. Then those things get paired and then you feel stress. Then you automatically get a stress injection when you go to that move. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So instead of being relaxed in that move and efficient, yeah. you've added in all the little physiological clues of stress, like clenched uh -huh. jaw, yeah. reach, for, reach for climbing hold. And then your brain squirting out stuff that's not going right. to help you. Right. And... Have an adrenaline reaction. Yeah. Move left foot up. Like, no, no, no. We just want to yeah. reach for the hold and move left foot up. We don't need yeah. all the other. We no don't need all of the other stuff. stuff. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Do not squirt out brain stuff. Um, and then, as you pointed out, the next once you've got the engram in a relatively stress-free environment and a relatively easy environment, then you can start stress-proofing it. And if you don't stress-proof it, it won't be available to you when the times mm. get tough. So just as we're all experiencing now, it's easy, just as you said, it's easy to be an adult when you're hanging around your friends and the old hauntings of being in your family dynamic aren't there. Right. You can be thoughtful, you can be wise, you can be witty when you're hanging out with your friends, but you go back home and all of a sudden that, that engram of like being an adult is stressed right. to the point that it doesn't work anymore. Everybody's an adult at the wine bar. Everybody's, <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. So yeah, the, the, without stress proofing your, your engrams, your habits, um, they, they break. So in rock climbing, the way that worked, you know, you'd practice like I said, when you were when you were not stressed, when you were relaxed, you can practice difficult moves on a top rope, which means mm -hmm. you're safe from falling. And then maybe you practice those moves while you're lead climbing, where there's the risk of some sort of fall. Um, and then you don't. And then maybe you practice them in a low stakes competition. Mm -hmm. And then you don't roll them out until for the high stakes competition until you've got them totally nailed. Right. So, so you've done they, it a zillion times and right. you, your body knows what to do. Right. So all of the stress of the screaming crowd, trying to look mm -hmm. good in front of your friends, right. wanting that $1,000 purse or that measly pair of rock climbing shoes that's the that's the mm -hmm. the reward for that competition, all of that is to, still there. To prove to your father you're not a <laughs> dumbass. All yeah. of that is there. Yeah. But it doesn't break the engram because right. the engram has been stress-proofed so slowly over time. Yeah. 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 You might still feel all of that stress, but it doesn't break the engram. You can, you can put it aside. You can put, yeah. You can put yeah. it in your chalk bag until you get back down again. Yeah. I think that's, a, I think that's actually a whole that's – that's sort of the psychological – work of, mm -hmm. of dealing with the stress at that time. But the, I believe that the point that, that the book was trying to make was that the engram doesn't get broken. Right. The body takes over and you don't even yeah. have to. Yeah. yeah you might not, still be stressed. Yeah. You might still be nervous about the competition, but the engram is still Intact. there. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. So that's, I've not been a performance rock climber. I did read the book. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm such a guy you, you in this way. You visualized being a, a I performance did, rock climber. I did. Climber. But it's so reading that book helped me understand about a lot of things. You know, I've, it did not make me a, a competitive rock climber, but that's because I didn't put the work in. Mm -hmm. But the, the concept of 
practicing or learning new things when when it's low stress Mm -hmm. and and slowly stress proofing them has helped me a lot not just in my physical capabilities like when I was trying to learn to to telemark ski I was like oh you know I'd be out I would go out at night onto the golf course at 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 Cornell when I was uh, back east learning how to telemark ski on these crappy old Paris skis and these crappy old boots, but in the beautiful moonlight. But I would realize that, okay, now I'm tired. Now it's just time to yeah. go home. Yeah, stop I'm now. not learning anything now. Now no. I'm frustrated. Mm-hmm. I'm not learning anything now. And that's true in my, in my, I know that's true in my interpersonal relationships. It's like, I can't learn a new technique. I can't learn I can't bring out empathy. I can't bring out uh, uh, self-empathy when I'm stressed out and it's really challenging in a brand new situation with Mm -hmm. a new person or with a lot of people, all of those things that put stress on my kind of socio-emotional engrams. um, I have to kind of pay attention like, okay, this isn't necessarily, I'm going to give myself some forgiveness Mm -hmm. right now. It's just not going to happen right now. Yeah, and self-care. Self-care, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, so this, this... way of learning and and increasing capacity is a model that translates to almost anything yeah i think so. i think so yeah, yeah. i mean it makes it, it, i can't, i have yet to think of anything that doesn't really it doesn't really apply to yeah and we are using it today to talk about how to increase our capacity to empathize and be curious and and be in relationship with our family because we love them but they drive us nuts yeah yeah and we don't we're not we're not all choosing the relationship the amount of relationship mm-hmm. yeah we're having a lot of choices made for us by yeah. circumstance yeah absolutely yeah so you were talking about Something you you got a there's a Robin Williams reference that yeah. you're going to make no, in here I, that I'm I don't know what it's about I'm mm-hmm. really excited to hear what this is about. Well, I was just going back to taking that that engram idea and using it to increase our capacity to notice when the our child selves are taking over hmm. in in reaction mm-hmm. and little by little. Increasing our ability to not go there, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, little by little, working towards staying in that adult self. Yeah. And my my Robin Williams reference is just if you guys saw the movie Dead Again from back in the nineties, it was an awesome movie. And Robin Williams just has a little cameo in the movie of mm. this guy who was a doctor. And something bad happened and he's working in a, like a, he's a butcher or something in a grocery store and Kenneth Branagh tracks him down in the, in the meat locker and is asking him questions and, and he notices because he's, you know, a student of human psychology that, that Kenneth Branagh is not smoking and he's like, you know, smoke or don't smoke, figure out who you are and be that. And that's just a quote that's always stuck with me. Figure out who you are and be that. Yeah. So that just came up for me with the idea of, okay, what adult... He may have stole that from Mae West. Not Mae West. What am I saying? Dolly Parton. Because Dolly Parton apparently said that to to, uh, the women in the high... That that new country supergroup, the high women, Brandy... Carlisle. Carlisle. No. Anyway. 
I shouldn't have. I chased it. I chased a hare. Yeah. I chased. I flushed a. I flushed a dumb squirrel. I just wanted to sound smart, like I'm like on the <laughs> hip. I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Trying to bring Dolly Parton like is the cool reference to bring in these days because somehow she's like popular again. And she's awesome. I got I, a whole other podcast is talking about Dolly Parton and, and feminism, but yeah. um, that's another that's for another day. Um, figure out who you are. Figure out who you are and be that. Yeah. And so I take that to mean in this situation, who is the adult I want to be? You know, yeah. I maybe you are already that adult in other situations, and you just have to bring that adult with you when you hang out with your folks um, or your kids, but. Maybe that person is still in the making and part of the visualization that we are talking about is visualize that person, that mature adult who can handle um, whatever comments your parents make, um, who can handle that with equanimity and grace and work your way toward that person. Yeah. Hold that, hold that idea of yourself that you are becoming in yeah. your mind, as you do your engram diligence, yeah. as you work your your little handholds, it w- you know we talked about, or we ha- we're gonna talk about, um, you know, start with your friends, yeah, start with a safe group, start with you know just by yourself. This totally fits the whole the whole engram methodology, and that we're we're holding the end in mind. Mm-hmm. Be be that calm loving curious adult and uh yeah how would that person handle a weird comment from your folks right 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 and you know this is what we're going to talk about is a kind of a lot of work and it's kind of like exercising it's kind of like yeah. being an athlete it's being an emotional athlete and mm. you know nobody wants to do that kind of work i don't want yeah. to do that kind of work but I know that if I don't change how I'm behaving, treating myself, thinking, whatever, in this time of COVID, if I don't change, I'm going to keep – it's not going to work. Right. Like even in regular life, like if you just if you just keep yeah. doing what you've been doing, you just keep getting what you've been getting. Right. And most of us are not particularly thrilled with what we've been getting and want more, whether it's love, finances – ease, confidence, whatever it is. So it's like for things to change, I'm going to have to change. Yeah. That's the, the bad, the good news is that it can be different. The bad news is you have to do stuff to make it different. And I would totally, when I was fighting with, fighting with my mom, wasn't even fighting with my mom, but when I was like fighting with her in my head, it's like, Mm -hmm. I, she needs to be different. Right. If only she would just do this or not say that, then we would be fine. She's making me come visit her. God. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, it's like, well, they're not going to they're not going to be different, if, no. especially if we keep being the same. <laughs> if we change, maybe something will change. Maybe, maybe. it won't. Yeah. But, the, you know, it all comes back to taking good care of ourselves. Yeah. So that we can, you know, not be freaking out all the time, even if it's just inside. Yeah. And, and yeah, taking care and, and taking full responsibility. So. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're if you're still with us, listener and and audience, this is the this is the kind of the workout plan. This is the mm-hmm. the emotional enneagram plan, and you know it's not going to be perfect, and it's not going to uh, it's not going to make miracles, but at least it'll be different than than what we've been doing. So just as Kelly was saying, it's you know, can you practice 
empathy and curiosity when the stakes are low and when things are less stressful. So practicing affirmations in the mirror or, or when you're out for a walk, mm-hmm. affirmations are a kind of visualization. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a rehearsal. A, I'm a loving and curious person. Yeah. I am capable and powerful. I am calm and thoughtful. You know, whatever it is, whatever it is you really feel like you aren't when you're around Mm -hmm. your parents, create an affirmation that is the counter to that. Because it is true. Yeah. It is true. You are calm and thoughtful. I am curious and empathetic. I am loving and non-judgmental. I do not always feel loving and non-judgmental when I'm around my mom. Other things come up. But I am also loving and non-judgmental. So affirmations is one way to kind of visualize, um, be curious and investigatory around yourself. Just like I was saying that I would investigate my own emotions as I was pounding on the steering wheel. Like, <laughs> why am I hurting my hand? What, yeah. what, what, whose, whose idea was this? Um, yeah, do we all have an inner therapist we can call on who can yeah. be calm and and make observations and thoughtful use questions. Use those. Use yeah. those. Use one of those. Whatever. Whatever one of those seven. Whatever one of those numbered mm-hmm. strategies. You know the agreements. Yeah. The 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 twelve steps. The whatever. Yeah, twelve you know, you steps can, are amazing. And awesome. I, I I worked I worked them for a while, and they were incredibly helpful and powerful. Yeah. And having group support. So I mean, there's a twelve step program for almost everything. Yeah. Um, so if, if, yeah, you know, if you can find some kind of a support group to help you yep. work through your issues, more's the better. Absolutely. You can practice with them. They, they will let you grow. That's one of the, the challenges is being around people who are invested in you not growing. You yeah. got, if you've got only that, you need to find somebody who will care for you as you grow and change. Absolutely. Absolutely. So affirmations, investigate your emotions, and and this is one of the ones that, that Kelly recommends that I really like, and this is a big part of my life too, is conversing with the littles, or as I put it, you know, have a reasonably well-managed multiple personality disorder. Um, if when, I'm invest- when I was investigating my emotions and pounding the steering wheel, and I'm like, I don't know where this is coming from, then I'm like, okay, this is coming from some other part of me that's a little bit buried, mm-hmm. and it turned out to be... You know, the, the the teenager who didn't know how to be an adult and didn't want mom to prevent him from being an adult and felt threatened. It wasn't my adult self. And, you know, maybe that's crazy. Maybe that's maybe that's not even really true. Maybe I'm not really maybe we don't really have little parts of ourselves tucked away. But it's a really useful construct to take a slight step to one side from the emotion. Okay, this isn't really me. This isn't really my adult self. This is coming from something else. Right. And some can you other part of myself. yourself having an emotion? Right. And that little bit of distance helps bring some um, calmness, a little bit of, it makes it easier to be curious. It makes it easier to be compassionate and, and empathetic to the self. Yeah. Can you name that emotion? Totally. That's a big thing. Yeah. With us. And so one last one with kind of this practice is, can you be curious with your friends? It may not be easy uh, to be empathetic and curious to one's parents or, or one's partner or one's kids or whatever, but can you do it with some folks that it's a little bit lower stakes? And I know for me, I am. it's way easier for me to be curious and empathetic toward the boys that I was working with in the juvenile justice center or in the schools. It was way easier to be to do validating place and to 
to use uh, the the five needs with my adult male friends. Um, but when Kelly is f- having a hard time or when I'm having a hard time with Kelly, the stakes are higher. Mm-hmm. And I don't always bring my best set of tools to bear in that situation because that's just the engram is not completely mm-hmm. stressed proofed when it comes to my relationship with Kelly. It's, it's kind of counterintuitive, right? It's like, well, it seems like you should behave better, Charles. That relationship is more important. I wish that were the case. It's, it's, it's because the relationship is important. I don't always show up at my best. Right. And we're more uh, afraid of losing what's more important. Yeah, for sure. For so sure. It makes us be weird sometimes. Right. So your friends who are listening to this podcast are going to be like, you're trying that stuff out on me because you don't care about me. Is that <laughs> That's not what it is. Well, you can try try it with acquaintances. Maybe that's sure. even a better place to sure. start. Sure. Yeah. You know, practice I Practice on people who don't matter. I practice <laughs> on it. I practice I practice it, you know, when I'm driving. Like somebody mm-hmm. somebody cuts me off in traffic. I'm like, well, maybe they've got a, a pregnant woman in the passenger seat whose water just broke. Mm-hmm. Maybe they have a strong need for for you know, safety right now. And it's not the kind of safety I want, which is to not be cut off, but mm-hmm. the safety of getting that kid to be born in a hospital. Anyway. Um, that's generous. And it is, it's, uh, but it's, it's, it's easy. Yeah. It doesn't take much. Well, when you look at it as an experiment, and we're always talking about doing a science, yeah. you know, if you look at it as an experiment, then the stakes are not, cause so often the reason we get PO'd in traffic is because at least I'll speak for myself. The reason I get angry is first safety yeah. and then ego of like, how dare you? Yeah. 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 Don't yeah. you see me here? I know. I yeah. know. I know. I but because respect, but because the stakes, yeah. because the stakes are low, I don't have any relationship exactly. with that person driving by. I can, I, I can throw some empathy at them as they go by. Definitely. It's a good practice. It's a good practice. Yeah. It's a good practice. And that's basically the whole thing that we're talking about today is creating a practice with all of these little elements, you can find for yourself the things that work to help you affirm the vision that you want to create, the things yeah. that help you create the infrastructure yeah. to increase your capacity. Yeah. Yeah. So those are those are some of the ways to practice. And one of the things I want to add in here is just about... Overall, the recommendation is to just reduce your overall stress, reduce your overall Mm -hmm. cortisol levels with good self-care practice. That's going to make it easier for you to stress-proof your engrams, your emotional engrams, Mm -hmm. because there's going to be less stress overall. Right. And it's because of this freaking pandemic, all of our stress is up. Mm-hmm. I've, I've talked about it in the last couple of podcasts about how I ended up lying in bed one day because mm-hmm. I was just just stressed out and, and full of grief. Yeah, Somebody I'm snappy a little bit. Absolutely. And... Absolutely. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. Um, so meditate, mindfulness, exercise, all of those things that reduce stress Eat some and green cortisol. Stuff. Eat some green stuff, play music, whatever it is mm-hmm. that, that gets your brain downshifted just a little bit exercise is great for sure mm-hmm. and and when we say meditate i'm not a huge meditator any kind of mindfulness any kind of attention to the breathing reduces yeah, stress sit on the porch and look at a tree yep and pay attention to what you're seeing pay attention yeah. to your breathing while you're looking at that feel, tree feel your body yeah exist in space and so while you're working on that or once you've worked on that start training yourself to deal with more situations and developing that practice, as Kelly was saying, to, to increase your ability to handle situations with, gr- with grace. And you can actually build engrams. 
you can build positive engrams based on what usually triggers you. Mm. Now, this is this is some serious jujitsu here. Oh, yeah. But it's totally possible. Bring so it. you can replace a triggered reaction with a positive engram. So you can use physical symbols to remind you of which engram to activate. Ooh. So visualize, uh, like we know that Lindsay likes to go out for runs. Mm-hmm. So here's a particular pointed piece of advice for her, but I think the rest of us can do it as well. It's like when you are coming home to either that set of parents or that spouse that's been there all day or that bunch of kids that are mm-hmm. still there and not in school, Imagine touching the doorknob. Imagine feeling the doorknob in your hand. Imagine the sound that the doorknob makes. And as you're imagining and feeling the weight of the doorknob or how it turns and the sound that it makes, imagine taking a deep breath and smiling. Or even do take a deep breath and smile. Right. Well, so you can visualize this and then you can put it in place, right? You can visualize. Multiple layers. Yeah. So you can be doing the visualizing as you're even getting out of the car or even lying in bed at some other time. But visualize it first because it's really easy to visualize. And then as Kelly's saying, actually do it so that when you come to the door, you take a deep breath and smile. You'll have to think about it. You'll have to Mm -hmm. be conscious about it the first X dozen times taking a deep breath and smiling, force the smile, Mm -hmm. force the deep breath, even if you don't feel relaxed and happy. Mm -hmm. You're building an engram in response to this physical trigger. It doesn't matter if you don't feel that way. It doesn't matter if you feel anxious. It doesn't matter if you feel angry. Practice breathing and smiling. Yeah, and maybe when you're not feeling stressed, again, when when you're in a a calm state, think about something that really uh, matters to you about your family or about Uh, being home and associate that also with the activity of, you know, turning the doorknob and smiling. Yeah, I think that's a great Mm -hmm. add-on. My guess is that Udo would say that you don't need to do that, that what Mm -hmm. you're doing is is bypassing bypassing kind of the front part of the brain mm-hmm. and just really working with the cerebellum and the brainstem. It's just mm-hmm. like the physicality feel, of it. Feel the knob, right. take the breath, smile. Right. So that there's no clutter of oh, like, do I do I really love my family? Do I really care? It's just like touch the doorknob, take the breath, smile. And tricking your brain into into being more relaxed and more positive and more hopeful going in the door. Um, but, and, and if you do, I don't know, you, you guys tell us if if you do an experiment, are you able to, are you able to also, you know, imagine positive things about your family, but there may not, I mean, there may not be any positive things right now. Um, so that's the, that's the, the physical symbol. You can also use emotional or physiological triggers to remind you to activate another engram. So when your gut gets tight, when you mm. feel that anxiety in your mm-hmm. gut, when your shoulders start creeping up next to your ears. Yeah. I just did a, I did a phone session. We'll do a quick, uh, my, our massage therapist, Paula Hewing, can't touch us mm. anymore out of safety. Um, but we're helping her develop a phone massage, self-care coaching regime. So she just helped me get my shoulders out of my ears the other day (laughs) through the phone. She didn't have to touch me at all, but my shoulders were definitely up around my ears. My, my head was way forward and I'm like, Oh, that's right. My head is supposed to be back here between my shoulders. That's right. Well, if Um, you put it there, then you got to move the mic. Right. Well, yeah. yeah. Um, So, yeah, when your gut gets tight, when your shoulders are up around your Mm. ears, when your fist clenches, when your jaw clenches, yeah, Um, use that, quote unquote, negative occurrence. Mm -hmm. Just notice it. 
Try not to label it as anything and let that be a trigger for your affirmation. Again, this is total, mm-hmm. total jujitsu, taking the like stressed out, anxious thing and turning it into like, I am thoughtful and curious. I know how to take care of myself. I am doing my best right now. Whatever your affirmation is, use that terrible thing mm-hmm. to trigger the positive thing. Yeah. And can you, and in that moment, can you embody that vision you have of the person you are wanting to be? Yeah. Yeah. And then the last kind of trigger jujitsu is if there's a psychological trigger, when your dad says something unreasonable. The thing that he always says. The thing that he always says when your mom uses that word that you know, that she knows pisses you off, whatever it is. Um, Again, remember the aff- remember an affirmation and remember in particular, if you can remember a, an, an affirmation around curiosity mm-hmm. and empathy. Yeah. And those five needs, again, yeah. if you can think ahead of time when you're not in the situation, what is, what is she trying to do? Yeah. Is she trying to connect? Is she, you know, and just understanding a little bit helps to, at least it helps me to lessen the, the, the immediate response. Yeah. Of, of, hey, why yeah. did, how do, you know, and, yeah. and then if you kind of have that worked out a little bit ahead of time and then you can rehearse right. it, right. then when it comes, yep. you, you can, especially if you've practiced it fairly well with the friends and the acquaintances, yep. then you can, you can be curious and, and kind of. Right. But what I'm saying is that is that the first step is to use that psychological mm-hmm. trigger, not necessarily to require that you provide empathy to that person who's quote unquote mm-hmm. triggering you, but that the trigger is to provide empathy, empathy and, and self-care for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And then the, the kind of the advanced step is like, okay, well, now that I got that now, I'm like, I wonder what my dad is really needing right now. Right, right. At first, it, it's just surviving the moment in without flipping out. Yeah, yeah. Is that stupid comment a bid for a bid for closeness? Mm-hmm. Like I can't get there until I'm like, yeah, okay. I am a thoughtful, compassionate person. I am taking care of myself. I am I am a full fledged adult. Right. Okay, now I can be like, I wonder if Dad's bidding for attention right now. Right, and if and since some some people are living together they will have be able to have lots of practice there's going to be so many in opportunities a short period of time they should be geniuses at this by next week yeah no pressure no pressure no pressure so this is like i said this is uh kind of how i have taken what i learned from performance athletes yeah and and become you know a semblance of a of a performing a uh, human being and and being able to provide empathy in tough situations to the kids that, that I mentored, to the to the mentors that I worked with, to myself, to Kelly, to my family, and just using this incremental process that has a little bit of structure to it, again, helps take it out of the scrum so that we're, we've taken a half a step to the side. Mm-hmm. This is we're not in the middle of doing the flip over the vault. We're visualizing the vault. We're taking, we're breaking that vault down into pieces. We're breaking that really challenging rock climbing move down into pieces and not trying to get it. Now we're not, we know we're not going to get it perfect Mm-mm. in one go. No. So there's a lot of patience involved in all of this. There's a lot of um, providing your own self with feedback along the way, mm-hmm. ideally positive feedback along the way and, and just showing up, right? It's like training, especially for a complex sport, like living with your family. A complex sport, like living with you. Can I just point out yeah. that 
doing this work falls into the category of this new strength that we've been talking totally. about. And it, it means you are a badass if you're doing this work. Absolutely. Absolutely. If you are willing to take this on, not only thinking about it in terms of elite athletes, yeah. um, helps to feel like a badass, but seriously, if you're willing yeah. to be with yourself and give yourself that empathy and shift from reacting into being curious man that is so badass yeah yeah that is awesome imagine the cheers you can oh. maybe we should we should have put this put this in the recommendations oh, right yes. like just imagine the crowd you're like you're touching the doorknob you're yeah. you come back from your run you're about to end go into your into your uh, parents home they're both home you know that uh, and you grab the doorknob and you just hear cheering yeah you just hear cheering yeah and the crowd goes yeah and you're like, okay, I am a thoughtful, kind, compassionate mm-hmm. person. And the crowd goes even wilder. Mm-hmm. And then they hush. What's going to happen? And you turn the knob. Thanks, everybody, so much for listening to the Rocket Feather podcast this week. We really love you all. We really care about you all. And we believe in everybody out there. And we know that those of you who have some of these skills already are finding ways to share them and make them more accessible for other people. We know that you are being patient with your kids and with your adult parents and we know that you're patient with us sometimes mm-hmm. and we're really glad to be in in community with you all and those of you who are new to this we know that you're gonna you're gonna pick this up and and play with it yeah and figure out a way to make your life better and what was it we learned at the at the TEDx talk that if you are happy if you are oh, happy yeah. people who know the people who know the people who know you yeah. Receive a benefit. It ripples out. Yeah. There's apparently been science done on this. So however much happiness we can bring to this terrible mm-hmm. situation, however much we can cultivate mm-hmm. as athletes, we're going to make it easier for other people to cultivate it as athletes as well. And mm-hmm. we're going to be bad. We are going to be badass together. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so one thing um, we wanted to say is if you are in a situation that doesn't feel safe, there are resources out there. I'm seeing the I'm seeing domestic helpline numbers in yep. all of the the government websites and that kind of thing. Yep. Um, reach out and get help. I mean, a lot of people are in homebound situations that are not safe and they're tense. And if you are not able to... Not just tense, but but violent yeah. or abusive. Yeah. yeah. The, yeah. Well, the tension is, is bringing out yeah. the worst in people. Um, yeah. If that is happening for you, reach out and get help. Um, Please. Don't just stay and get abused. It's yeah. not cool. No, we need you. We need you safe. Absolutely. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We really appreciate your attention today and your participation. Yeah, thanks for hanging out with us. Absolutely. And this was a slightly different podcast. We don't know if you noticed, but we're recording this pretty much in one go rather than uh, recording it and spending a week editing it and getting everything just right and the music cues just right so we'll hopefully this uh, hopefully this goes well there's going to yeah. be some some clicks and some ums and some stuff that normally we'd edit out but we're looking to be a little bit more efficient frankly because 
we still haven't seen the boredom from COVID. We're, we're waiting We're waiting for the boredom to arrive at our house. We have been busy, busy, busy. Absolutely, absolutely. So until the boredom fully arrives, this is how we're gonna record these duo podcasts. And what's coming up next for the Rocket Feather podcast is next week. No, sorry, this week. This week we begin our weekly Zokni giveaway. Yeah. This is very exciting. Those of you who don't know, the Zokni are interesting, mysterious, compassionate, curious creatures. Did I say curious twice? Creatures yeah. from from uh, from Kelly's imagination, from the from the portal that is her creative hands. And you know they are for sale on the website at uh, at genuinewonder.com. But what we're going to do, because they need to get out into the world, and, and we know that right now spending money on uh, quirky, supportive, uh, emotional support dolls probably isn't on the top of everybody's priority, and I want and we want Kelly's art to be out in the world. We're going to be giving away one Zokni a week. So on Wednesday, it'll be on Instagram and Facebook, which Zokni is looking for a new home. And they all have stories and they all have really specific ways that they are looking to help. And then we'll be asking you to nominate somebody who should receive that Zokni. And we will ship it to them and give them a little note about who it's from. So you get to, together we get to spread some love and healing and and joy. So we're looking forward to doing that. Yeah, so everybody can nominate somebody and we'll put the names in a hat and we'll draw a name and, and send it out with your blessing yeah for sure so that's one way that we're kind of doing some giveaway here in this in these tumultuous times the other way is that uh adam young who's a member of the rocket feather community lab and a, and a friend of the pod and a dear friend of mine he helped run boys to men mentoring network he and i are going to be offering half an hour free kind of parent consult calls we're going to bring all of our skills and experience that we have working with teenagers um, and adam actually has his own teenager uh, teenage daughter to just provide a bunch of empathy and curiosity for parents. If you want to call us up and kind of rant or ask questions or ask advice uh, or just be heard, Mm -hmm. we're totally up for that. We know that people are feeling kind of trapped in their homes. So this is an opportunity to reach out and get somebody from outside the home's perspective on what's going on. And we promise that we will not tell you that you're doing it wrong. We know that parents get told that all the time. We might have some advice if you ask for it, but mostly we're gonna be empathizing with you. If you want some perspective on what we think your kid might be needing, one of those five basic needs, um, we'll provide that, but mostly we're gonna be there to support you because we know that parenting is ridiculously hard. So on the uh, look for instructions on Instagram and Facebook about how to access that free service. That's going to be amazing. You guys are going to really be able to provide some good support. I think so. I think yeah. so. Yeah. So in addition, as always, follow us on Instagram at RocketFeather1. Join the new Facebook group. Search for the Rocket Feather Community Lab and request to join. We'd love to see you there. Definitely. It is now safe to unstrap and leave the rocket. Until next time, this is Charles Matthews. And Kelly Roberts wishing you a rewarding journey into calm, loving connection. Ah. <sighs>